Wow. That song is fire. Alejandro, Alejandro. I actually, uh, I actually saw, heard that song at Nacho Mama's over the weekend, and I, I forgot how much I liked that song. And I think one of the curses of uh, Lady Gaga in the mid 2010s, early 2010s, is she had so many bangers that songs like Alejandro were simply overlooked. If any other artist had that song, people would regard that as maybe their best song. But when you have songs like Ra Ra Oh Mama Gaga Ooh La La, I want your love and I want your revenge. You and me could have a bad romance. Great song. I mean, when that's in your poker face, poker face. I mean. Need I say more? Um, I, I was reminded of, of, of Lady Gaga for more than just the fact that I heard it in passing at Nacho Mama's on Friday night. Because on Saturday night, I got into an ill-advised... Mm, how should we characterize this? Uh, I, I guess debate or disagreement. A friendly debate, for the most part. Um, I met up with Johnny B. Burkhart down in Hamden. Uh, he was back in town for the weekend. They had a show in like Montgomery County, which I did not make. But I made it for the after party uh, down in Hamden. Uh, we went to a place called Melanie's at Griffith's, which is a bar. Well, correction, I went to Melanie's at Griffith's. Because uh, I was on time. Believe it or not, I am sometimes on time for things. And uh, that's where we we're supposed to meet. I wanted to go to Frazier's. I said, let's go to Frazier's. And John said, we're going to Melanie's at Griffith's. I said, what the fuck is that? He said, it's a bar. I said, it sounds like a girl at a bar. Sounds like Melanie's at Griffith's. Doesn't sound like the name of the bar is Melanie's at Griffith's. Um... But it was a cool place. I showed up, walked in, did the old classic alcohol shuffle. Let me get a Miller Lite bottle with a glass and a Jim Beam on the rocks. That's right. Two things. One person. Me. Thank you. Um, sat down and she said, uh, well, it's last call, just letting you know, so you just want to close out now? And I said, oh, Really? I saw on your Google page, I didn't say this to her, but I, I said this to John. I said, you know, when you, when you sent me the Google Maps thing to show me where it was, uh, I saw that it closed at 12 a.m., but sometimes bars will uh, put that if their kitchen closes at 12 a.m., which is a stupid thing um, because then people that look at it don't realize that you're actually open until like normal last call, 1.30 a.m., 2 a.m., um, so I assume that that's probably what's going on. I figured oh, he probably knows something I don't. And sometimes when I assume that someone knows something I don't, I am correct. But I hate to say it, but most times I'm not. Um, so I texted John. I said, it's last call, douche. Can we f go to Frazier's now, please? So we go to Frazier's. We have a great time. Me, his brother Pete, Connor from Thunder Club. They're all there. They're assorted fiancés and wives. Not a single girlfriend in sight anymore. We're getting to that age. Everybody's getting those relationship promotions. Every time I run into somebody now, uh, it's not girlfriend. We're engaged. Fiancé is a nice stage of the relationship because it's, it's the one stage where you get a really nice, fancy, French-sounding word. Like, you start dating... That's my girlfriend. You get married. That's my wife. You're engaged. That's my fiance. Girlfriend. Wife. Fiance. So that's a fun little, you know, year of the relationship where you get to sound really fancy and cool. Looking forward to it, I guess. Um, so anyway, yeah, great night, and, uh, you know, we go back to Connor's place, great time, 
And I just had to say it. I just had to say it. I brought up that I think Beyonce is overrated. <gasps> Shock and awe takes over the room. You could hear a pin drop. What did he just say? I think he said Beyonce's overrated. No, it couldn't be. Are you sure? Yes, I'm pretty sure. Oh my God, what should we do? What do we do? That's right. I said it. And I was viscerally attacked for the remainder of the evening. I was everybody's friend. I still am everybody's friend. But I really stepped in it that time. Well, I actually started off the conversation by saying Jay-Z and Beyonce collectively as a couple are extremely overrated. We've talked about this on the show. Everyone knows. Everyone knows how I feel about Jay-Z and Beyonce. They are both individually overrated, and as a couple, their collective overratedness, their cumulative overratedness multiplies itself by a factor of two to become an even more powerful force of overratedness. And I simply could not help but to mention this when the topic of Beyonce and Jay-Z came up at 3.30 in the morning after a night of drinking. Excuse me. Uh, so, you know, I got hit with all the classics. Uh, I, w I guess I was then asked to name my top five female artists. I guess the insinuation being that I just don't like female artists because it couldn't just be that I just, it couldn't just be that I don't think Beyonce's as big of a deal as everyone else seems to think she is. I didn't even say she's bad. I literally said, you can still, they were like, what would you rate her talent on a scale of one to 10? I said, well, five being average, eight. That's good. Eight is good. What, if I don't say she's a perfect 10 out of 10, that's blasphemous, blasphemous. I have to, it, eight, I say she is three notches above average, only two notches below perfect. And that is an insult? It's a subjective matter, people. How many hits do you have, Jimmy? Was a question I was asked. A little uncalled for. I don't care. They got a point. I have no hits. That is a good point. Not in the context of the argument, because it has. it's not a good point in the context of the argument. It's just a good point about my life. <laughs> you are correct, sir. I do have no hits. However... In the context of the conversation we're trying to have, does one need to have hits to say that someone else doesn't have hits? Did I say that I was better than Beyonce? Because stop me if I did. But, and I know you guys weren't there, but I assure you at no point did I ever say, I'm better than Beyonce. Uh... And if we're going with the idea that in order to have an opinion on another person's musical career, you must yourself have hits, then it's not just me who is disqualified from the conversation. It's everyone that was involved. Not a single person in that room had a hit. So their opinion that Beyonce wasn't overrated must be then equally invalid as my opinion that she is. I fail to see why my opinion is invalidated because I have no hits. But their musical opinion is perfectly valid, although they have no hits either. Um, so yeah, I named some female artists. I said Gwen Stefani. They were simply, uh, if you thought they were taken aback before. They were taken even more aback. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. Gwen Stefani, been around since the mid-90s. They've been around the same amount of time. Lots of hits. 
Gwen Stefani actually writes the vast majority of her music. That counts for something for me. It does, okay? It's about female artists, not female singers. Beyonce's a better, a better singer than Gwen Stefani, sure. We're talking about artists. I consider musical composition an integral part of being a musical artist. Not saying that you cannot be considered an artist if you don't write your own music, but when you're comparing two people, the fact that one of them writes their own music and the other one tends to not, not saying that Beyonce doesn't write her own music, but a sol there's a solid portion of her music that she does not write. Um, probably a larger portion than, let's say, Gwen Stefani. I don't know. Regardless, let's say I'm completely wrong. I haven't looked into this. I'm trying to be as authentic as possible by simply telling you my thought process. I didn't even go into it this deep in the conversation. Um, regardless of whether or not what I just said is true, maybe Beyonce writes more of her music than Gwen Stefani. I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. Uh, it's a subjective opinion. I enjoy more of Gwen Stefani's music. Don't speak. I know just what you're thinking. And I don't need no reasons. Like, I like that. I like, I, not saying there's no Beyonce songs I don't like. I just like more of Gwen Stefani's songs. Lady Gaga. She's another one that, like, I'm pretty sure, like, writes all or most of her music. And I like more of her songs. Stevie Nicks, great female artist. I think Rihanna has more songs I like than Beyonce. Like, is that okay? <laughs> sorry. I'm fucking sorry. So anyway, I think everyone was pissed off at me. It's just, it is true what they say. I mean, when, if you dare say that Beyonce is not everything and more, if you dare say that Beyonce is even slightly less than perfect, people, they lose their minds. It's a crazy phenomenon to watch. Now, again, this was a fun, friendly conversation for the most part. There were times when I felt like we were, on, we were teetering on the verge of potentially actually being in a serious argument, but it never crossed that line. There were times when I bit my tongue. There were times when I feel as if others bit their tongues. Because that's how you have a mature adult conversation. Disagreements are part of any conversation. In fact, uh, it's really what spices up the night. I, I, I found myself the next day uh, feeling that normal, obligatory, what I like to call hangxiety, the hangover anxiety that you get after a night of drinking and you your mind is just all out of dopamine, just wrung out, just alcohol just took your fucking dopamine receptors and just went shh. Um, and so you're left just feeling like a fucking bum. You don't want to do anything. You're looking back at last night, just remembering conversations, thinking you pissed everyone off. I feel like I pissed everyone off that I talked to. Except yesterday morning, the night after this debate, I... I may have been correct. My anxiety may have been accurate. I found myself being like, no, dude, don't worry about it. You're just overthinking it because you're hungover and you have that natural fucking day after drinking, like anxiousness about your interactions the night before. It's classic. It always happens. It's not a thing. That was me trying to tell myself. It's like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you're high and part of, and you get too high or you think you're too high and you start to think everybody knows. And, and then one of the ways to like calm yourself down in that situation is to like tell yourself like, dude, you're just being paranoid. Nobody knows you're high. You're just calm down. Except sometimes you are that high. <laughs> but you're just like, no, you're like sitting there like, 
and people are looking at you like, are you all right? And you're like, nobody knows. I'm just paranoid. <laughs> nobody knows I'm high. It's all in my head. <laughs> sometimes your head is right. I mean, sometimes your head is right. And yesterday when I was feeling a little bit uh, anxious about how I suddenly spun the night off into a tilt-a-whirl of debate over the unscrutinizable, uncriticizable, infallible, perfect queen, Beyonce. I feel as if my anxiety was correct. Perhaps it was not all in my head. I feel like some of them are sitting there being like, the fuck was Jimmy talking about last night? What an idiot. Okay, fine. You know, there are worse conversations to get in an argument about uh, when you're drinking at 4.30 in the morning, believe me. If the worst thing that I brought to the occasion was a spirited debate about whether or not Beyonce is a goddess, uh, I would consider that a pretty... Uh, successful post-game, I think, right? You know, if anything, there's a part of me that kind of feels like, you're welcome. Well, yeah, I said it, you're welcome. Sometimes, for better or for worse, we will all remember that night now. That will be a, I will be able to reference that night for years to come. Remember that night when John was back for the show and we, you guys, we met up at Frazier's and we went back to Connor's place and, and we got in that big argument about Beyonce? Sometimes, you know, you just have a night of drinking, nothing, nothing cool happens, nothing noteworthy happens. You just hang out, you talk about shit, and you go home. But I stoked a little flame, you know? You're welcome. Got everybody's heart rate up. Got your gears grinding. Churning. All of a sudden now you're citing Wikipedia pages and references and all kinds of things. I mean, that's, that's a good night. For me. <laughs> if I can get into some type of Peaceful altercation, whether it be a wrestling match or a slot, slap boxing match or just a intellectual debate, spirited, heated debate over any given topic. I consider that a successful night. So I live for it, baby. And I said peaceful, by the way. I don't get in bar fights and shit. Okay. Just want to clarify that before we move on. I'm not about the bar fight business. I'm talking about fun, friendly contests moving on speaking of fun and friendly contests uh the gab of the weekend in regards to sports is this epidemic this absolute epidemic that is court storming now, for those of you who don't know or don't know what the word court and storm mean, allow me to fill you in. Court storming is the act, I'm trying to be as dictionarily as possible. Court storming is the act of fans running onto the court in celebration after a big win, usually. I don't think it's definitely a win thing, right? You don't storm the court after like uh, halftime. <laughs> We're up three at the half. Woo! Storming the court. He made the free throw. Ten minutes in the first half. It's a win thing. And it's not every win either. It's big wins. Conference rivalries. Championship games. You know, things that matter. And recently... We've had two 
pretty high-profile player injuries as a result of just this season of court storming. Uh, the most recent of which, uh, Kyle Filipowski of Duke was injured, injured his knee after Wake Forest beat Duke and stormed the court, to which I can't help but think, well, maybe you should have won. Guess what, Kyle? If your team won, your knee would be fucking fine right now. I'm just kidding. It is true. What I just said is true. However, I am kidding. And also, maybe even more famously, less recently, but more famously, Caitlin Clark, the all-time leading scorer uh, in women's college basketball of Iowa, was injured uh, after colliding with a fan in a court storming, I feel like a month ago or so. And so this has sparked a lot of debate in the sporting community over whether or not court storming should be banned. And I gotta say, this, because I know, I know your next question, I know everyone's next question is, well, that's all well and good, but most importantly, Jim, what do you think about it? So let me just beat you to that so that you don't have to say it. I'll say it for you. I'll tell you what I think. And what I think is this is an incredibly difficult, and I'm not being facetious when I say this. This is an incredibly difficult and unfortunate decision that must be made. But off the bat, I would have to say instinctively that, yeah, it probably should be banned. And I hate to say that. To be honest, I can't believe it's not already banned. Sports have gotten so soft. Everything's gotten so soft. That almost anything even remotely authentic is now considered a liability. I mean, I never cringe harder than like in the baseball uh, celebrations, like after a team goes to the playoffs or like wins in the playoffs or whatever, they have this fucking completely manufactured, orchestrated you know, champagne popping bottle session. I had to watch the fucking Orioles wearing fucking goggles and in a room covered in plastic and all shaking up and popping bottles. It's like, this is, this is so lame. That's not, that's not like an authentic celebration. Like, you know, the fucking team managers and equipment people and whatever marketing people all get you know, the whatever brand of champagne is sponsoring this completely phony fucking celebration. And you go in there and the whole room is already treated for plastic and all the players have to wear their glasses, their goggles, because God, you know, I understand you don't want to have an eye injury because of a fucking champagne popping celebration. But like, just don't do it then. Just don't do it. Like who benefits from this? You want to see an authentic, real, from the heart celebration, not some like scripted, organized bullshit celebration. It's so lame. But that's kind of where things have gotten because everything is a fucking liability. They're almost, you almost can't have anything that's just fun anymore. Lawsuits, this, that, that. It's like, can we just have fun anymore? Can anything be fun? So when I look at the court storming thing, it seems like this obvious liability that somehow, in this day and age, years and years after almost every other fun but 
even slightly potentially dangerous thing in sports has been completely gutted and castrated. Somehow, college sports still allow court storming, and I'm pretty sure field storming for football games too. And you know what? Good. I know I said it probably needs to go. But I'm also not mad that it's here. I think it's one of the few things that still carries on some semblance of an authentic college feel that separates it from just straight professional sports. Okay, with every other thing that's been going on in college sports, the transfer portal, players are getting salaried now. It's professional sports, okay? It's what it is. College sports are professional sports. College football is just semi-pro NFL. The facade of, oh, the, you know, they're student athletes. Oh, they get, you know, they get a scholarship. Uh, who, f- fuck off. The fact that the colleges got away for, with that for as long as they did. Coaches are getting paid millions of dollars a year. Colleges are making hundreds of million dollars a, a year. You know, they're bringing in all these students to their place because of the prestige that their school is gaining from these sports. I mean, they're selling merchandise, all these things. And the players get a fucking full scholarship so they can get a full ride to to get a, a business degree, mass comm, that they'll never be able to apply in the real world. And, and unless they go to the NFL, they're just going to be another person with a fucking... Now, okay, sure, you could get a, you know be pre-med while also being the quarterback for uh, Alabama. You could. Um, So it's not necessarily the school's fault that the students are, uh, you know, not getting degrees that matter. But let's face it. I mean, the players, A, are so hardly worked meaning that they are worked so hard that like it would be really, really difficult to be a D1 athlete and simultaneously taking an extremely challenging course load for a major that can, you can actually apply in like STEM or something like that that matters. That would be extremely difficult. And also, most of these guys are clearly not there for that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so, you know, we all we all see what it is. But the... There, as the years go by and college becomes, you know, they used to do things like, uh, you know, like in basketball, you have to play a year in college before you can play in the NBA. Now, to me, that's an obvious, uh, that's just, that, that's obviously uh, like college, the NCAA wants a piece of these top recruits they want to be able to make at least a year's worth of money off of you before you go professional. Like, why do I have to go to college before I can go to the NBA? Why? What, so I can get that ever-important one year of freshman year of college education where 98, fuck it, 100% of the classes you take freshman year of college are just repeats of classes you took junior and senior year of high school sometimes earlier? 13th grade, but it's very important to us that these students at least attend one year of college just to make, just so we, they gave it a chance. No, motherfucker, you want these top 10 recruits coming out of high school to have to go to Kentucky or Duke or one of those schools first, make you guys some money, get you guys a championship, and then you can go and make your own money in the NBA. Hey, I'm the best basketball player in the country. I just graduated high school. And please take this out of context. I want people to think that I'm saying I, Jimmy Selesky, am the best basketball player in the country. And of course, that I just graduated high school. So please do take this out of context. I I invite you to do so. 
I am the best basketball player in the country, and I just graduated high school. And I have professional ba- NBA teams that would draft me in a second. I could be making six figures like nothing, if not more. But first, I got to go play for free at Kentucky for one year, minimum. Why? What other reason? They'll say, well, you know, coming right out of high school, these, these kids aren't ready for that level. They're not physically. That's up to them. That should be up to them. What if you are? What if you are a fucking super freak athlete? Also, how big of a difference is one year making? I get it. Second puberty is a thing. You know, I was a lot bigger at 24 than I was at 18, but I don't know how much bigger I was at 19 than I was at 18. You know, any, any fake bullshit excuse that they make up for uh, why a, a year minimum of college before the NBA other than the obvious, just we, the NCAA is just imposing themselves to get a piece of your marketability and your, your ability for their own profit. That's what it is. And so the more and more popular college sports have become, the more they've just made it into professional sports. I mean, at, at, when you're paying student athletes, which I'm not against, I'm not against it because I think college is bullshit for 80% of people that are there that are getting a degree or pursuing a career that maybe it requires a degree, but it doesn't require a college education. People, people mistake that. There's, that's a distinct, that's a, that's a different thing. A lot of jobs require a college degree. Very few jobs actually re- require a college education, meaning... I'll ask people all the time, my age, older, younger, whatever, that graduated college and now work in a particular field that did require a college degree. And I'll say, look, I realize that you needed a college degree in order to get this job. That's just part of like the interviewing process. It's like a prerequisite. But do you genuinely feel as if you could not have performed in this job? without the specific education and knowledge that you received as a result of your four years of college? That is a different question. Suppose, okay, you graduate college at 22. You go, into a, you go to work for a company. So, you know, let's say you get that job when you're like 23, 24 sometime out of college. So now you're 24 years old. You're starting a job at a company with your degree, hopefully, which even most people can't even say that, that they're actually working a job in the field that they got the degree. But regardless, so you start this company, you get a job. Uh, Let's imagine an alternate universe where instead of going to college for four years and then getting that job? What if instead you just got that job when you were 18 out of high school? Would the 23, 24-year-old version of yourself that just started at 18 out of high school be better at this job than the 24-year-old version of yourself that spent the past four or five years in college and then got the job? Who would be a higher performing employee at this point? In most cases, I would argue the person that just went straight into the job. They have six years of experience in that job. And unless you're doing something like really medical school, engineering, hard sciences, stuff like that, I I just don't, I simply don't believe that uh, the education itself that you receive at most of these fucking universities is pivotal and necessary to a successful work career. They are charging you thousands and thousands of dollars a year for a piece of paper that's essentially a hall pass to get a job. That's what it is. It's kind of extortion a little bit. In much the same way that 
top recruit basketball player out of high school must first play in college for a minimum of one year, in which case he'll likely be a starter for a major program, help that program have a great season, win a conference championship, win the whole thing, whatever. And that makes the school a whole bunch of money. And then and only then, after he's fulfilled this one-year requirement, is he allowed, or she, allowed to pursue a professional career. In much the same way, you have people spending tens and thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars for a college degree that is sort of just a requisite for most positions in the work market for no reason. Most of these jobs are completely, you are completely able to do these jobs without having needed to go to four years, four and a half years, five years of fucking uh, uh, marketing major. I'm sorry. But for whatever reason, it's like this self-sustaining fucking racket where people feel like, well, yeah, I, I just need to get a degree or else I won't be able to get a job, which may or may not be true. But it's certainly not because the education is necessary. So now you just have these colleges that are just essentially gatekeepers. That's all they fucking are. In, again, 80% of cases, I understand that there are jobs that you do need a college education, likely. But I think that that list of jobs is a lot smaller than most people would think. Um, anyway, so going back to the whole college sports thing, I promise I wasn't getting a side tangent, but I did. <laughs> um, it is nice to see that there's still some elements of just kind of like a wholesome like college thing, you know? But also, as these sports become more and more of a big deal and the players become worth more and more and more, you can't maintain that same level of just kind of like wholesome, carefree, just organic grassroots type of things like a court storming, which that's what it is. It's just an authentic display. It's a fun thing. It makes it feel like you're at a school and not at a Ravens game. Like, you know, you can't storm the field after a fucking Ravens game. Can you? I don't know. I feel like I've seen people storm a field after an NFL game. I don't fucking know. Um, maybe they just did it even though they weren't allowed to. I don't know. The point being is it is nice. But this is one of those situations that I feel like I'll play I'll play this clip here. This is this is what happened to Kyle Flip. Well, let me do Caitlin Clark first. So this is Caitlin Clark. This is like the backboard camera here. Damn. Let's watch that again in slow motion. That was uh I don't really know what to say about that. She That definitely wasn't on purpose. Um I don't know how hurt she was. She's like playing now. But like, yeah, you don't want that happening. Um then you have this guy Flip. I'm guessing that's what they call him. That's what I call him. Kyle Filipowski of Duke. And this video is fun. So this is a silent video. So, okay. So this is like the JFK assassination. I'll pause it here. They got like the guy circled like, watch closely. If you look in the back left, you'll see. It's like <laughs> one singular fan could not have done this. <laughs> All right, so here it is. And then, boom, he comes into contact. And then, okay. And then, you know, he hurts his knee and he's fucking... <sighs> Owie! This guy could definitely beat my ass, so 
I'm not making fun of him for the record. But, I mean, this one's a little tougher. He actually, I, I was watching ESPN once again on uh, subtitles at the gym. Unfortunately, I, I forgot to hire my uh, ASL translator to stand next to the elliptical. Um, but I, I read on television that he uh, speculated that it was purposeful, which I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know about all that. I mean, I'm watching this video. This is the first time I've actually watched it. I'll pop it on again just so, because I want you to kind of take note of exactly who hits him and when the contact occurs and what happens. So this is, there's him. And then boom. So if you look closely, I'll go back here. There's a guy like kind of with like his sweater or hoodie out or whatever. I think it's like this guy right there. And he's got like, yeah, he's got like a sweatshirt or a hoodie. Maybe it's this guy. It's one of these guys. I don't know why my thing is in like fucking zero pixel ratio here. Let me switch it to 720. Whenever I, I, I could put on a fucking like cartoon video and it would be in, uh, you know, 1080p. But then when I want to watch something where each person is a pixel, it's like, oh, you meant 480, right? You want like below uh, brick phone resolution in 2011? Sweet. Um, so, okay. So now we have a better view here. So this is, boom. Okay, so there's a guy. So there's the contact. It's this guy. See him? There he is right there. Look at this guy. Right there. And he's going to, boom. And then look, you can see he falls after. So that guy, you can see that there. You can see they make contact. And so this guy, boom, and then he falls right there. So that's his legs right up in the air. So glad we have HD. So now you can make out that that's one shade of yellow darker than the background. But that's what I'm, that's what I'm discussing here. So yes, this guy was flung into another universe. Boom! And then boom, there he is. There's his feet right there. And there's Kyle. Owie! Filipowski. Filipowie! Um, so yeah, that's that. Uh, I don't think that's on purpose. I don't think somebody purposely collides into someone and then does a double front flip afterwards on purpose. <laughs> Uh, so that's just what that is. I mean, yeah, I think I, 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 again, this is such a tough topic for me. It's, it's, it's hard for me to say that I do agree. It should be stopped. I mean, you, these players should not be in a position where they're in the middle of essentially a, a riot, uh, after any type of win or loss. And, uh, you know, it's just a dangerous situation to just have a bunch of people, thousands of people running onto the court at full speed in a, in a, in, they're all wasted. They're all being frantic. They're all excited, acting crazy, taking their shirt off, running around, throwing shit. You know, it's just an obvious setup for danger, danger, danger. Um, but it just, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, that's what's going to happen. I would be shocked if the NCAA was just like, fuck it. I mean, cause they're just opening themselves up for lawsuit on top of lawsuit. And we all know that the only thing more important than the integrity of a sport and entertainment and fan connection and fairness and all of those things that we've all come to know and love. The only thing more important than that is money, money. If it costs us less to just get rid of it, we're going to get rid of it. It's that simple. It's not that hard of an equation to figure out uh, the sporting industry or any industry for that matter. Um, and and what hurts my heart even more is just the knowledge, what I know, 
is going to replace it. And I even heard some ESPN talking heads talking about it. Uh, you know, maybe we, you know, we we have the players all go inside and then we allow the court storming or we like set up a thing where like they can all do this. And it's like, no, no, that is so corny. No, it either has to be an authentic in the moment display of excitement and passion, or it's just fucking lame. Okay. We don't want fucking chaperone organized court stormings. It's just, it's just not how it works. The whole purpose of the court storm is like, holy shit, we won. We're all going to run out and celebrate in like this moment of passion. Like it doesn't happen 10 minutes later. It doesn't happen honestly 10 seconds later. Like it's just a different type of vibe that you either let it happen or you don't let it happen. But what they always try to do is try to take something real that may be a liability and then replace it with some corny, phony, half-ass excuse for the real thing that is less of a liability but has completely lost the plot in what, what it's for and then it just winds up being pathetic. And so... In the year of 2024, we are witnessing one of the last truly real things in sports become extinct right before our eyes. And again, although I do agree with the sensibility of banning it, it just sucks, man. It just sucks to see it go. Not that it is officially going, but I would be surprised if it doesn't. And I would genuinely be surprised if everything I just described in how they're going to replace it with some phony uh, excuse for a court storming. Uh, I would be surprised if that didn't also happen. So we've just seen this enough times with other things. Um, and it's just, it's just a shame. It's just a shame, you know, that everything that we see in the public sphere, all that shimmers surely fades. But speaking of fading, one thing that you should not fade is Jimmy the Rook Seleski. And I'll tell you why. Because I gave y'all two picks, not one, but two picks on Friday, last we spoke. Um, The first of which was an NBA game. I had y'all take the thunder and the lightning and the thunder. That's right. We took Oklahoma City thunder. I think minus 15 and a half against the Washington Wizards, a team that I guess is technically my home team. I'm in the Baltimore area. I guess DC, that's Maryland kind of. I don't fucking know. I tried to get into them when I was a kid and I just, I couldn't. I, I tried very valiantly and boldly to get into the Wizards and I just could not fucking get into them. Same with the Capitals. I just, I, I, as much as I feel like maybe it would make sense for me to have some type of connection or allegiance to DC sports, I just don't. If, if Baltimore doesn't have a team, I, I don't, I'm not interested. Um, but yeah, uh, because of that, because I'm not a Wizards fan, uh, the Thunder were able to smack them by 40 points on Friday night. More than 40. 41 points. Uh, they beat them 147 to 106. So, safe to say the minus 15 and a half covered. That was a 50% boost. So that was a plus 136. And we also, in the college realm... I had you take Akron, 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 and they played acrimoniously against Kent State and covered seven and a half with ease. So Akron minus seven and a half on Friday covered as well. That was a plus 120. 
So we had a 2.56 unit day on Friday. Last we spoke, we were at 0.05, positive 0.05 units going into it. So that puts us at an overall grand total yield of 2.61 units in the black, baby, which I'm pretty sure means positive. I sure hope it does because that's where we are. So let's take it to another level because today is a new day. It's a new week and it's, it's most certainly a new day. I have two picks for you, both in the college realm. There is a MGM 33% college basketball boost. Um, I, I usually try to make these big games games that like you could go to a bar and have them put on like games that are on ESPN, ESPN two Fox, whatever CBS local networks, whatever, you know, I just feel like that's a little bit more fun. You know, obviously the bigger games are going to be more widely available on regular channels. Um, so it kind of works out. I just kind of look at the TV schedule and I prioritize those games. If I have to give you a stupid fucking pick, I will. Um, but tonight, uh, uh, there's a game at seven, West Virginia at Kansas State. Should be a pretty good game. It's going to be on ESPN or ESPN2 or something. And uh, I'm th- I'm thinking Kansas State, K-State minus nine and a half. They're coming off a big win over a ranked BYU. Big upset there. They're hot. Um, and they're a good team. They've beaten Kansas this year. They're a solid team. I'm not sure why they're not ranked. Are they not ranked? They got to be ranked. Let me look that up. There's no way they're not ranked. Is Kansas State ranked? Kansas State Wildcats. Uh, I should have known. I should have known this was not going to be a simple yes. You type into Google a question, is Kansas State basketball ranked? And then just a big blank page with the word yes. That's how Google should work. If I ask it a question, not a link that takes me to an article where I have to scroll four paragraphs down to find the word yes or no. Just do that work for me, Google. It's 2024. We've had this technology for 30 years almost. It's time we update it. Maybe Google Gemini can generate me a photo image of a black female Viking telling me whether or not Kansas State <laughs> is ranked in basketball. Whatever you guys got to do, I just want to know. So I guess we'll never know. The point is, we're riding with K-State anyway. Minus nine and a half versus West Virginia tonight. That's the MGM 33% boost. Uh, and finally, DraftKings is back in the mix with the clash on the court. 50% boost in the Baylor at TCU game tonight at, I believe, 9 p.m.? It's a later game. I'm stoked for this one. Not simply because DraftKings gave me a $25 max wager on Actually, that is exactly why I'm stoked for it. There's no other reason. <laughs> there is simply no other reason that I'm stoked other than uh, that DraftKings hooked me up with a solid max wager to use with this 50% boost. And I'm thinking Baylor. Baylor is ranked. TCU is not ranked. Yet TCU is the favorites. NTCU shows as the favorite in my model as well. So I'm not quite sure, like, if even Vegas themselves recognize TCU as the favorite, then why aren't they ranked above Baylor? How can, how can you look at a game and be like, yeah, well, this team's going to beat this team, but that team's better than the other team. What? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, number five is way better than number one. Obviously, Vegas is not the ones responsible for making the rankings, but 
uh, if the rankings were smart, they would uh, just base their rankings off of like Vegas lines because Vegas is fucking good at what they do. And the college selection committee is notoriously not. Um, but anyway, my model is showing TCU as 1.2 point favorites. It's basically one point favorites. Um, but Vegas has given us plus two and a half. Last I checked. And I like that. I like that because both teams have a questionable injury. Uh, Uday on TCU, their center, and uh, Long on uh, Baylor. They're both questionable this evening. Neither one of them are starters, necessarily. I, I think Uday is a starter, but he only plays like 16 minutes a game. So he's not like a full-time guy. He splits time with, I think, uh, another center, uh, Esam Mustafa. And I ran, some, I ran some player efficiency ratings on them, and I found that in both cases, for the Baylor guy who's questionable and the TCU guy that is questionable, the player efficiency of their backups that would be filling in their time for them is the same or better than the guys, the starters themselves. So we shouldn't really notice much of a difference in either team's performance should either one of these players be out based off of my math which is notoriously okay. Um, if anything, my numbers show that the teams will be both better <laughs> with their backups who apparently have more efficiency. Um, but they're both also just questionable. They're not ruled out. They're just questionable. So I guess if you want to... It's a coin flip whether or not either team's going to... Uh, declare the guy out or not and uh both teams have an equal likelihood of doing that so i i normally i would say wait and see what happens wait to see where the line's going to move but we could end up in a situation where uh tcu announces their starter being out um which then causes people to hit baylor hard which then become causes baylor to uh, become more favored, which means that that plus two and a half could become plus one and a half, could become pick them, could even move to them being the favorites. Now, that could happen the other way, where Baylor announces their guy being out, and uh, they become further underdogs, and now we have plus two and a half, when we could have had plus five and a half. But regardless, there's an equal chance that the line could move either way, depending on which player on which team says that they are or are not going to play. So I say just take it in the middle at plus two and a half, which already get, has a, almost a one and a half advantage on my model. Um, and like I said, you know, if TCU announces that their guy's out, uh, that's probably, I would imagine, going to make people intuitively start to favor Baylor harder, which means the line is going to move further from that plus and more into the minus, which is bad for us. We would have rather taken Baylor at plus two and a half than zero. But in my opinion, that would be an overcorrection uh, because again, it doesn't appear to me that, that this guy that's questionable is necessarily that much of a higher performer, if at all, than the other guys that will be replacing him and his minutes. So, I think in this case, when you have an equal chance of the line moving one way or the other, you just take it in the middle, you know? A bird in hand is worth two in the bush, as they say. So, to wrap it all up for you, DraftKings clash on the court bet. We are looking at Baylor plus two and a half versus TCU. And MGM 33% college basketball boost we are looking at Kansas State minus nine and a half versus West Virginia. Good luck to all, especially me. Just kidding. All of us. If I win, we all win. And if you win, so do I. So good luck to all of us. Uh, happy Monday. Till next time. Peace. <laughs>